Greetings, family. I'm Pastor Jeremy, and as we embark upon our Rekindle Sermon series with an emphasis on our Wesleyan heritage, all while continuing our exploration of the Gospel of Luke, I want to highlight two books for you. First, of course, your Bible. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 25 of the 8th chapter of Luke in preparation for the rest of our week. Uh, that's our Life Together groups. That's your personal study. That's Sunday morning. So make sure that you have your Bible and that it's open to chapter 8. Also of note is the Book of Discipline. The Book of Discipline is the instrument by which we set forth laws, plans, polity, processes uh, as the United Methodist Church and how we govern ourselves. Uh, the one I'm holding in particular is the 2008 edition. The discipline comes to us uh, and is shaped by over 200 years of general conferences. That's over 200 years of Methodists coming together and working to answer the question of what it means to faithfully live into our call to be the church. Uh, so when we hold the discipline. Uh, we're not just holding a book of uh, rules or laws or standard practices. We're holding our history. Uh, and in the spirit of holding our history and identity, let's look at the Book of Discipline to find the mission of the church that we hope to accomplish as a body. Um, uh, it says here, paragraph 120, and the paragraph is the basic unit of the Book of Discipline, uh, that uh, the mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus for the transformation of the world. It also reminds us that uh, the local church, local, local churches like St. Luke's, uh, provide the most significant areas through which disciple, disciple making happens. Uh, this is our first theme for this study, disciple making, which leads us to our study of Luke 8, which I'm sure you all are ready to get into. Um, starting at verse 1 of chapter 8, just going down to chapter to, to verse 3, uh, the text reads, Soon afterward, Jesus traveled through the cities and villages, preaching and proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. The twelve were with him, along with some women who had been healed from evil spirits and sicknesses. Uh, among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had been thrown out, Joanna, the wife of Herod's servant, Cusa, uh, Susanna, uh, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. Um, this is just a short Lucan um, introduction, but verse 1 introduces our setting and our characters. We see Jesus traveling through different cities and villages in Galilee, with, and with him are the twelve, but also this group of women. Um, most notable are Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. Keeping with Luke's theme of equality via naming women alongside their male counterparts, which we don't see a lot in Scripture, Luke gives us uh, the only reference in any of the Gospels to a group of women who helped to support Jesus' Galilean ministry. Uh, the text not only names these women, but gives, them, but gives two of them a short background introduction, Mary being recognized as uh, having seven demons cast from her, and Joanna as the wife of Cusa, Herod's servant, probably his estate uh, manager. It all, it's also notable that uh, even with the mention of the Twelve and the group of women in general, the only people named in this introduction are Jesus and the three women. Uh, this serves to communicate that in the important work of preaching and proclaiming uh, the, kingdom of, uh, the coming kingdom uh, of God, women were not only present, but also trusted in vital laborers excuse me, uh, not to mention providers of resources. Doing away with the often held uh, assumption that Jesus' initial followers were only men, Luke shows us that disciple-making is for everyone. Disciple-making is for all people. Now let's take a look at verses 4 through 15. When a great crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from one city after another, he spoke to them in a parable. A farmer went out to scatter his seed. As he was scattering it, 
Some fell on a path where it was crushed, and the birds in the sky came and ate it. Uh, other seed fell on rock. As it grew, it dried up because it had no moisture. Other seeds fell among thorny plants. The thorns grew with the plants and choked them. Still, other seeds landed on good soil. Uh, when it grew, it produced 100 times more grain than was scattered. Um, as he said this, he called out, Everyone who has ears should pay attention. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, uh, You have been given the mysteries of God's kingdom. But these mysteries came to everyone else in parables, so that when they see, they can't see. And when they hear, they can't understand. This parable means this. The seed is God's word. The seed on the path are those who hear, but then the devil comes and steals the word from their hearts so that uh, they won't believe and be saved. The seed on the rock are those who receive the word joyfully when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but fall away when they are tempted. As for the seed that fell among the thorny plants, these are the ones who, as they go about their lives, are choked by the concerns, riches, and pleasures of life, and their fruit never matures. The seed that fell on good soil are those who hear the word and commit, it, and commit themselves to it uh, with good and upright hearts. Through their resolve, they bear fruit. Uh, this is a parable we are probably pretty familiar with. In verses 4 through 8, we see Jesus presenting this parable to a large crowd. Luke most likely uh, used Mark as a source for this parable, and when we compare the way it appears in each gospel, um, there's a bit of a different emphasis between the two. Uh, Mark 4.20, the conclusion of the parable, reads, They bear fruit, in one case, a yield of 30, uh, of 30 to 1, in another case, 60 to 1, in another case, 100 to 1. Uh, this places the emphasis on the ultimate success of the sowing. Having identified this parable as a description of the kingdom of God, Mark's Jesus makes a point about the inevitable success of the sowing or preaching in spite of all of the seeds falling on unsuitable ground in many cases. The harvest would be plentiful multiple times over. Uh, in, in verse 8, Luke's Jesus instead ends the parable by emphasizing how important it is for those who are presented with the words receive it and embrace it, and, and, and embrace it to both be hearers of the word and then doers of the word. In verses 9 through 10, the disciples ask what this parable means. Jesus responds by first explaining that he spoke in parables so that uh, when some heard, they wouldn't understand, but that they were chosen to be privy to this knowledge. Uh, let's keep going and look at verses 16 through 18. Uh, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand so that those who enter can see the light. Nothing is hidden that won't be exposed nor is anything concealed that won't be made known and brought to the light. Therefore, listen carefully. Those who have will receive more, but as for those who don't have, even what they seem to have will be taken away from them. With these sayings, Jesus reinforces the ideas of the previous parable. In the same way that one does not sow seeds to have them crushed on a path, eaten by birds or dried up because they fell on a rock, you don't light a lamp and hide it away. Seed is sown to take root and harvest. Lamps are lit to be seen. And just as the seed and the light represent the word of God, it is meant to be heard. But when we look at verse 18, we learn that hearing the word isn't enough. Not only must one hear the word, but they must also be mindful of how they listen. Once again, thinking back to the parable of the soils, we see those who hear but don't believe, 
those who hear joyfully but fall away when tempted, those who hear but become distracted by the cares of life, and finally, those who hear and commit themselves to the word and ultimately bear fruit. Applying these three sayings um, to the parable that preceded presents the reader with a choice. Which kind of listener will they be? Uh, it also educates those who hope to preach and proclaim the word of God on who they can expect to encounter as they do so. Moving on to verses 19 through 20, uh, it reads, Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, but were unable to reach him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who listen to God's word and do it. Um, here we see Jesus's mother and brother arrive. When alerted of their presence, Jesus reemphasizes the importance of hearing the word of God in a proper response to it. You can't just hear the word. You also have to do the word or actively act upon it. Um, lastly, we read verses 21 through 25. Uh, one day, Jesus and the disciples boarded a boat. He said to them, let's cross over to the, uh, to the other side of the lake. Uh, so they set sail. While they, were while they were sailing, he fell asleep. Gale force winds swept down uh, on the lake. The boat was filling up with water and they were in danger. So they went and woke Jesus shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. But he got up and gave orders to the wind and the violent waves. The storm died down and it was calm. He said to, the, to his disciples, where is your faith? Filled with awe and wonder, they said to each other, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. All of a sudden, we get a big change of setting. Jesus and the 12 are on a boat when gale force winds begin blowing. Water starts to fill the boat. Uh, this is another story that many of us know well. Uh, I think within the theme established so far of hearing God's word and responding, the most interesting verse here is verse 25 when the disciples ask, who is Jesus that even nature obeys him? We see the winds and the rain uh, commanded by Jesus, uh, hearing and receiving his words and acting in like kind. Here, nature is in obedience to Jesus uh, and, and, and supports Jesus' uh, uh, model that he set forth of uh, the actions that one should glean from the parable of the soils uh, and the sayings that follow. They hear the word of God and follow through with action. Uh, this also implies Jesus' divinity. Um, as we close, I think a great thing to ponder and to think about this week is how disciple making uh, includes hearing God's word, but also following through with action.